Do you know that in total there have been 108 billion people that have died on this planet? 108. I was thinking, you know, like I went off and Googled it. 108 billion people have died. And there's about 7.5 billion now that are alive. So the first thing I get out of that statistic is that for every 15 that have been born, 14 are dead and we're alive. You want to talk about winning the lottery? You got it. Think about that for a moment. 108 billion people are dead. 7.5 billion people alive. You're watching this on Insta. You're watching this on Facebook. You're alive. You're one of the lucky ones. And you have already won the odds of conception. So the reality is you're lucky being here today. But I also look at that statistic and I think to myself, hey, you know like you believe that the world revolves around you and sometimes when you have a problem or a challenge, um, and it could be a really big one, what you should remember and what I should remember is as unique as that problem is, there have been billions that have walked before you. And those billions, based on history, had far bigger problems. And they may have had your problem times 5x. So what this means is that in the grand scheme of things, we're a pinch of sand, if you really think about it. And that's, in some ways, a little bit relaxing when you think about it, because the pressure's off thinking that there's so much that happens about you, and that you feel like all these unique things are just your unique problems. But the truth is that your exact problems have been had by someone else of that 108 billion. Being very philosophical here, but let's move on to something else that I think has got to do with numbers and it's going to be extremely useful. And that is, do you know that there's 168 hours in a week, right? So here's how you can have an incredible week ahead, right? There's 168 hours in the week ahead. Now, let's assume, well, so let's break it up. That's seven days, right? Now, 24 hours in a day. What if you turned around and said that you would allocate eight hours to work, eight hours to sleep, and eight hours doing stuff that you like in your life? Man, that would be a great week. That would be a great week. So think about it. Eight hours of work, eight hours of sleep, so you would have been well rested. You would have been productive because you work, you actually did work. You just didn't hang around in the office pretending to be busy. So when you're at work, you work. And then you still had eight hours to do your own stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. So there's a woman here saying, hang on a second, Tom, but I've got two kids or four kids and, and I've got a job that goes for eight hours and I've got to look after them. Correct, correct, more challenging, 100%. I get it. I get that. 
So then you turn around and you say, okay, so there's a peer of life when family's involved, and I've got daughters, 15 and 13, where you turn around and say, hey, you have less of the stuff that you love to do. So the eight hours that you love to do gets reduced to maybe two to three hours a day. Man, wouldn't it be great having two to three hours every day that you do something that you absolutely love, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's going for a run, whether it's going to yoga, whether it's hanging out with people that you like and drink coffees, whether it's actually watching you know, a movie. You know what's exciting? The truth is it's exciting because let's work it out. 168 hours a week, 24 hours a day. Let's break up our days into three compartments. Work, eight hours. Beautiful. Sleep, eight hours. Beautiful. Do stuff you love, eight hours. Beautiful. You got responsibilities? Take those eight hours off and make them four hours. All I'm saying is understand you have choices to make a week by design, not a week of accident. And one of the other things I'm going to teach you is this concept of understanding the law of deadline. The law of a deadline says if you've got three weeks to do a job, what you'll do is it will take you three weeks to do it you'll actually procrastinate and you'll be thinking about it and you'll be worrying. And then in the end, you'll get it done right at the end of the third week. Hey, Benjamin. So why wouldn't you be intelligent and play a game and say, I don't have three weeks. I've only got five days. And you get that job done and it's done. So you don't spend the time worrying, procrastinating, putting it off, getting drained knowing it's coming, having guilt, good strategy. What people do is they expand the work to meet the deadline. What do you do? Shorten the deadline. Smart. Let's move on and talk to you a little bit about prospecting. I'm going to simplify it. And you know, we've got a we've got a great video coming up in the real estate gym from Adrian Bow who delivered one hour, one hour of absolute golden content two days ago. And um, so did Matt LaHood, by the way. I had him in both the same day. And um, that content's going to be delivered. But one of the things that we talked about was the two kinds of prospecting. And let's be very clear. Prospecting can be cut up into the following two. Number one, Geo-targeting, which is you have a geography, and in that geography you become the king, and what you do is your job is to meet 100 people a month that own real estate in that area, and they become a contact in your database, right? That's geo-targeting. And then what you do with these people is you contact them and give them information on transactions that happen. Example, what has just sold that's relevant and what has been listed that's relevant. That's called geo-targeting, coming from the word geography. Then you've got what we call property type marketing, where you turn around and say, I am an investment specialist, or I do blocks of units, or I do commercial in this geography, right? So it's actually property specific. You're known 
as the, you know, the leasing guy in the area. Like, you know, uh, uh, um, let me think, like Burgess in Novak, right? So, gang, I'm going to say to you, so what's the secret to becoming the specialist and to be on the no-brainer list? Really simple. You build a smaller pond and you're the big fish in a smaller pond because that's why you will always be on the list. Let's move on to the next topic I want to talk to you about. And that is the five-minute rule. The five-minute rule. In a world of chaos, in a world of basically putting out fires, in a world of rejection and failure and stop-starts, let me just say to you, one of the most important things that you should be doing is to understand the five-minute rule. Now, listen to me very carefully. Hi, Yogi. Hi to everyone that says hi. Sometimes I miss it because I'm sort of trying to concentrate on delivering content. So let's talk about the five-minute rule. The five-minute rule says an event may happen that is shit. An event may happen that is bad news. If you're in golf, you might hit a bad shot. If you're in business, you may have actually lost a deal. What you do is learn this principle, and that is you allow yourself five minutes to go crazy. I don't know. Throw things around, bang the table, swear, I don't know. But what you do is you allocate five minutes to feel bad about it. Then, what you do is you get back to the task. Why do you do this? Because you are teaching yourself something very important, that you can't control the event, but you can control your response to the event. And by you actually throwing a fit and putting it in a defined five minutes, you're training your brain that you actually have the ability to cop shit, go off track, short time, not a day, not a month, not a year, five minutes, and then as Lee says, we move on and next. This, hello Tina, this is the secret of professional golfers, tennis players. Tiger Wood was known to say, bad shot, okay. It was bad. I'm pissed off. It should have been better. Bang, bang, bang. Okay, that's it. We move on to the next one. Because what you don't want to do is make a bad shot become a bad match. And you don't want to make a bad day become a bad year. And what you're training yourself is your ability to control your response that's why I want you to do the exercise of the five minutes. It helps you to exercise the muscle called response. And what we clearly know in cognitive behavioral therapy, success is about event plus response equals success. You can't control the event. You can control the response to the event. And that ultimately equals success. Let's move on to the next topic I want to touch on today, and that is uh, why your brain is screwed up. Now, science, and I did a bit of reading on this today, it took me around 20 minutes to understand the most in two important parts of the brain are called the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. The amygdala and the prefrontal cortex. The amygdala 
is the part of the brain that was first developed. And this part of the brain was developed to protect us from the uh, previous years, cavemen, when an animal was going to attack, it was there to protect us, right? So it's always on the lookout. The reason why most people do have some negativity is the amygdala is there to protect you. And what it's doing is it's always sort of checking, sussing out, right? Trying to protect you. So even the most positive person suffers from the amygdala trying to protect them. However, there's another part of the brain called the front cortex. And the front cortex is the rational part of the brain that says, but hang on a second, that's not a lion. That's a little pussycat, right? So what that does is it gets rational information and takes you from the fear and provides logic. And what happens sometimes in catastrophic thinking is that the amygdala is more powerful than the frontal cortex, which is being rational. So guys and girls, even the most positive person will suffer some anxiety and some fear because it is a protection mode in the way that we've been hardwired and built to protect ourselves. I want to move on and let you know that in retirement, guess who invented retirement? Retirement was invented by the Germans. In 1889, the Germans invented retirement. Why? Because they wanted to create employment for youth. And they worked out that if people retired, there'd be more jobs. But what's interesting is that a part of China has studied, and I don't know whether I can pronounce it, Exactly, but there's been research. The word is ikigai. I-I-C-A-K-I-G-A-I, ikigai, which says that if people that got to a certain age didn't have a reason to get out of bed, they would become miserable and die. And we see this happen often. We see people that get to retirement age and then what they do is they get ill at a time when they're supposed to go off and enjoy their life as they no longer have to slave it out in the workforce. And this is very interesting because it actually says to us that if you don't have a reason, if you don't have a reason to get out of bed in the morning, a purpose, what actually happens is that you will actually get sick and you will actually find you'll get depressed and you'll start suffering mental health issues and that your health will decline. Which says to me that what you should do is what I talked about in an earlier video I did today. And that is, thank you, Susan. It's pronounced ikigai and it's Japanese. Okay, thank you, Susan. Thank you for, 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 for clarifying all of that for me. And... Um, by the way, Susan's from Shanghai. Thank you, Michael, for the score update. The Springboks are leading 9-6. And um, um, I'm going to put my neck on the line and tell you the Springboks will win the World Cup. 
the Springboks will win the World Cup. We'll talk about it next Sunday. Let's move on. Why is this important, guys and girls? The reason it's important is I want you to know that you do need to have a reason, right? You do need to have a reason. And today I read for the second time a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Thank you, Dr. Steve Georgiakis, who is uh, who I can confirm today. Steve Georgiakis has been covering literature on football in Australia, and he said to me categorically that he knows everything there is to know about football, any question possible. In fact, we might bring him on to the rant one day. He's a professor at University of Sydney, his academics is studying sports and he has studied everything there is on football. We might bring him in and, and get questions from the audience to see if anyone can actually stump him. But Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl was written by uh, Dr. Viktor Frankl, who studied something, you know, when, uh, when uh, the, the, the Jews were being um, put into concentration camps by the Nazis and they would work out in the cold um, with no clothes on and they would be starved, and they would be given uh, tortured. Uh, what they noticed, Dr. Frankel noticed, is that a small group of the people that were able to keep going were people that found a reason to wake up each morning. Thank you, Kylie, and I agree with you. A wonderful book, one of the best. If you haven't read that book, you must buy that book and you'll read it in two hours or three hours. But what's interesting is one of the, the, the uh, uh, um, therapies that is talked about in that book is called logotherapy, L-O-G-O-T-H-E-R-A-P-Y, logotherapy, which I presume comes from the Greek word logo, which means a reason, a reason. Guys and girls, I have to say to you, a reason is what makes something really dark bearable. A reason is what makes an average life remarkable. A reason will help you have the lows to keep going. A reason will help you overcome the obstacles that you face in life. A reason will help you go from the heights of exhilaration to the depths of depression in 24 hours and rock up the next day. I'm not going to tell you what the reason is, but I will say to you, just like you've got a fingerprint, you've also got a psychological fingerprint in your brain. And everyone has got it. And I don't know when you're going to find it. But if you do some deep introspection work, if you look deep inside, I think you'll find that there's something there that matters a lot to you. And that matter can change at various times in your life. But all I'm saying to you is life's so much easier when you've got the wind and the momentum of your reason behind your back in a world that is full of choppy waters. Guys and girls, I had plenty more to talk about today, but I'm going to give some of that information um, 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 to you next week. On that point, let's go watch the end of the rugby union. Let's go off and see South Africa 
play Wales um, second half and see what goes on. And I'm signing off. Tomorrow I've got a leadership session. I've got a sales session there at News Corp. I'm in New Zealand for three days. And by the way, Susan, put the link, put the link to the... I'd like if there... We may have 10 spots left. I'm not sure. We did earlier on. Epping Club in Sydney, there is not going to be a charge. You'll come along to an event I'm doing. It's for real estate people only in Sydney on Friday. It's not one of those events where you come along and then you get upsold. I'm there. The only thing you're going to get is content and information and opportunity for us to be closer together, not by video, by face-to-face. And it's a free event. Guys and girls, on that point, um, Mark Novak's made a very good point. Mark, thank you so much. Mark, is it okay if I bring you into this for a moment? Because you can talk about this. Mark, I'm just going to bring you into this conversation. Bring Mark onto the camera. Mark, the camera, horizontal. I'm letting you know. You're going to have to turn your camera horizontal. I know I've put you on the spot here. You might be sort of naked. Um, And I'm just going to give it an opportunity. Mark, see if he's going to come on here. Because Mark's got a really... um, uh, He's explained to me that they're getting a lot of business. Here he comes on now. Hey, Tom. Beautiful. Yeah, buddy. Mark, switch that camera around. I just had to put my shirt on. How are you? Good, yeah? I'm good, Mark. I'm good. What's happening? We're referring each other. Say that again. Are we referring each other yes. in the real estate? Yes. Well, Mark, I'm sorry to get your hand like that. Yep. Is there any chance you can put your headphones on? Yep. Okay. I've got to find them. You're looking good, mate. Thanks, buddy. I'm under I'm undercover with no glasses. Okay, so 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 Mark, Mark has told me that one of the things that he does in the real estate is actively refer buyers and sellers to other people in the real estate gym. And um, yep. we've got thousands of members in the real estate gym. And um, I, you know, it, it was never built for that reason, but it appears that it's it is a it is a way that people refer people. Can you hear me clearly, Mark? Yep, I can hear you clearly. Okay. Now, what I've got to do, Susan, saying my audio is very bad. Susan, is that better? Mark, can you hear me? Yeah, that's really loud. That's perfect. Okay. So, uh, Instagram, I'm signing off. Tell me me a little bit more about that, referring to people to the gym. So, what we've been doing is um, a lot of people uh, that follow us sort of nationally um, uh, refer clients uh, like uh, even out of the area. So they say, look, oh, we know you're in DY, but do you have anyone in Hornsby? Or we know you're in DY, but do you have anyone in Newcastle? And then what we've been doing is using your um, your gym, going in there, and Lisa's probably the most active, 
and then people have been go- we've been going in there saying who do you know and then there'd be this trail of like maybe 10 people 20 people writing use this guy use this girl use this guy and then you'll see like five six people love this particular person two three people love that particular person and then we'll ring that person and refer the business to them and then we're getting like a 20 percent referral fee from them and then we're doing that vice versa so a lot of people are uh, just got people directly in dy and because they're real estate agents they're a sphere of influence so people go to them and say look we know you're in newcastle but we've got a place in dy do you know anyone in dy and they know us from the gym mark thank you i want to ask you another question and that is we started working together one and a half years. It'll be two years in, in Christmas. Good memory. Yeah, right. Two years. Do you, do you remember we started talking about this path of going down technology, social media, and, and jumped on, I think, accelerated. You're always a tech junkie. Yep. But you accelerated the social media about a year ago, I reckon. When yep. do you reckon it was? Oh, look, it was probably more visible a year ago, but probably 18 months ago we started having a hack. We right. started getting coordinated right. and organised. Yeah, you're right, about a year ago. Okay. Okay. Just, can I just get you, a lot of people listening here are real estate agents. Tell me, what's your view on the whole social media and real estate? I didn't, with social media, and uh, now it's very different to when I met you, uh, but back then I thought, you know, it was a little bit, a bit of a girl's thing, you know, particularly Insta and uh, not really hardcore business, um, not essential business. Um, Now... Uh, it is this massive, massive network that we've built in our local area, and we get, we get, you know, people grab us and our reps always in the beaches and out of the beaches, saying, "I know you guys because I know you guys because," and all leads, all roads lead back to social. So they're not saying, "I, I know you from the local newspaper." Uh, they're not saying, "We know you from the, you know, anything else." It's really, it's purely, you know, Facebook, Insta, LinkedIn which we, we use that term so much, we abbreviate to Phil, Facebook, Insta, LinkedIn. So from Phil, we get a lot of business. I like that, Phil. I like that, Phil. All right, Mark, listen, I'm going to sign off so I can watch the rest of the footy. All right, see you, Tom. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. All right, see ya. Okay, so guys and girls, when I'm speaking on, when I bring someone in, it appears that my, uh, my sound's not as good, but guys and girls, um, yeah, I have to say to you, it's the F word, friends, family, followers. That's where the business is in 2019. Let me bring Susan in for a moment. No, I'm not. She's just pinned the training there. Guys and girls, listen, on that point there, Let's sign off, Mark. Thank you for joining me there. Let's go watch the end of the rugby. And um, I'm really excited to uh, see everyone else in Sydney. 
at Epping on Friday. New Zealand agents, I look forward to seeing you when I'm there signing off.